Optimize your business for Google My Business with Greg Gifford from Search Lab Digital. Brought to you by Majestic, I'm David Bain and this is SEO in 2022. Greg, what is your number one SEO tip for 2022? My number one SEO tip for 2022 is to optimize the heck out of your Google My Business listing. So many people ignore it or put minimal effort into it. And it, at this point, is probably the most important thing you can do to get found in search if you do face-to-face -face business with customers. So Google My Business has been around for a few years now. Um, what does an SEO need to do to optimize the heck out of Google My Business in 2022? So basically, you've got to get into the Google My Business dashboard and fill out everything that you possibly can. You'd be surprised how many people will choose a single category, and it's probably not even the best category to choose. They'll drop their phone number in, they'll drop their website in, and boom, they're done, and they move on, and they never come back and touch it again. But there are so many fields that are there. You need to fill out all the appropriate categories. There's a really cool uh, interactive category list at, a, at Plepper, which will show you, if you select a category, it will show you all of the similar categories that you should also choose. You should put in your phone number. You gotta put in your website address and make sure that you've got UTM tracking on that website link because mobile traffic doesn't get attributed correctly in analytics. And so it gets sent over as direct traffic and you wanna make sure you're getting credit for all the organic visibility that you're getting as a boost. So you gotta do that. You gotta put in photos and change your photos that often and have awesome photos of your business. You've gotta preload questions into the Q&A section and that part's not in the Google My Business dashboard because it's actually a community discussion feature of Google Maps. So a lot of people don't realize that the Q&A is there. So you've got to go in and just interact with it on your profile. Preload your questions, monitor it and answer new questions that come in. Upvote all your questions so the business owner answers are the primary upvoted answer. You've got to have Google Posts going because Google Posts are basically free advertising. There's so much to it that so many people don't do and it makes a massive difference in A, how well you show up in searches and B, how well you convert people that see you when you show up in searches. Wow, so many things to do. And I'm sure that if an SEO does all of those things, then their profile in the SERP is just gonna be so much better than any other competing business in their niche. Um, something else I've noticed, by the way, I love your um, UTM tracking um, URL advice there. Great tip there just for tracking the success of, of, the, of the traffic directly from the listing. But um, I've also seen that um, you can be a service area business, which means you don't actually need to have a physical address anymore. Um, so that's um, something relatively new. So what does that really mean for, for businesses? So it's actually been around for a while. So local search and, and Google My Business, you know, it used to be called Google Places, has been around for a long time. It's just that local was always this kind of niche thing. We say niche in the States. Uh, niche thing that not a lot of people knew about. But in reality, it's what most businesses need. So anybody that does face-to-face -face business with customers. So if that's at a brick-and-mortar location, then you're going to have your address shown and everything is standard. But if you're a service business like a plumber or an electrician where you still do face-to-face -face business, but not at your location, but at the customer's location, then that's a service area business. And typically you're gonna tick the little box that says hide your address. So you still have to have the address in there to get verified. It's just not gonna display your address in search results because if you're a plumber or an electrician or or a, you know, a massage therapist or whatever it might be where you're going out to people, you probably don't want your home address displayed as your location on Google and have random people showing up at your 
house in the middle of the day when you're not there, who knows? So when you're the service area business, you tick the little box that says, hide my address, and then you can enter in service areas. Now, entering the service areas, a lot of people think that's going to affect how you show up. Like I've seen stuff where service businesses in the UK have set like the entire area of the the island and you actually go out and they'll even include Ireland and just go way out where it's out in the ocean. That doesn't mean you're going to rank everywhere. It's still going to be based on the address and where you are. But what it does is it draws that little line around your service area. So you know, if you're in the suburbs of London and you serve the entire metro area and surrounding areas of London, you see that little red line around that shows this is the area that you serve. So if somebody's way up north, they know, okay, cool, these guys don't serve me. I don't need to call them. I find something local. So it's important to understand that distinction that filling out as much as you can there doesn't necessarily mean you're going to rank in those places. It's more about conversion and letting people know where you actually serve customers. Okay. Uh, one thing that I've struggled with in the past with Google My Business is actually getting a virtual office address listed as the office address. Um, and I, I would think that many SEOs that are listening, maybe actually independent SEO consultants, um, independent SEO services, uh, and they might have a virtual business address, but you're suggesting for them to actually use their own personal address as you their address actually, that they use? Yeah, you can't actually use a virtual office. It's against the rules. You have to have yeah. the actual physical location. So if you go get like a Regis or a WeWork or any other co-working space, Google doesn't really allow that. A lot of people will try to use like a PO box as well. You can't do that. It actually has to be a real address. And sure, you could be at a co-working space permanently, but because basically a lot of attorneys in the United States went out and got a bunch of Regis offices to try to rank in places where they didn't actually have an office. They kind of ruined it for everybody else. It's like all SEOs kind of ruin things for everybody else when you <laughs> find something and exploit it and use it too much. And Google says, nah, you can't do that anymore. So yeah. that's what's happened with virtual offices. And in fact, the guidelines for Google My Business specifically state now that you cannot use a virtual office as your Google My Business address. But it's, it's great if you can use your home address, um, but tick that button, I don't want my home address to be displayed on Google, then that solves the problem, doesn't it? Sure. Shall we dive into a couple of other of your highlights that you recommended there? You, you mentioned posts and yep. questions and answers. I think it'd be great to talk about the specifics of how to optimize for that. So what about posts? How long do they have to be? What do they have to incorporate? And how often should you do them? So posts can be like 1,500 characters and a big giant image, and people usually typically just worry about that. But the key to success with posts is actually not what's in your post. It's what shows up in the thumbnail because Google's going to crop that big image down to a thumbnail image and truncate and just show the first few words. So it's going to show just a couple of lines of text. You really do have to approach it like an ad because it basically is. It's an advertisement for your business. You've got to approach it like an ad and think about like doing AdWords. And if you don't do AdWords a lot, just go watch a couple videos or something and learn how to do it. Because if the thumbnail isn't compelling, nobody's going to click on that thumbnail and see the full post. And that's why a lot of people are like, ah, I've been doing posts and they don't work. And it's because they share the same crap that they share on Facebook. And it's not a social post. It's literally an advertisement. So you need something that's going to be enticing and compelling and make people want to click through. And Image cropping is really wonky, so that's difficult because, you know, we work with a lot of car dealers and maybe you're showing that it's truck month and you've got the nice Ford F-150, but when you put the image in, you don't pay attention to the crop and 
half of the truck is cropped out in the thumbnail, so it just looks bad. Or you you put a bunch of BS text at the beginning, and then the meat of your offer is lower, and that doesn't show up in the thumbnail, so now nobody has a reason to click on it. So you really have to pay attention to what shows when it's cropped down into that thumbnail with just a few lines of text, and make sure that that's optimized so that it's going to make people want to click through, and then they're going to work a lot better for you. And how often should you be posting? So it used to be a lot of the stuff out there is going to tell you you need to post once a week because you've got several different post types to use. And the the kind of primary main one is the what's new post. That one used to only show up for seven days and then disappear. And that's now changed and it's live for six months. Now, the other post types, the offer and the event post type will have a date range and those will only be visible for the length of that date range. So if you have a month long special you can put the date range in and it's only going to show up for that period of time. But if you're using the regular post, uh, the what's new post, that will now stay visible for six months. So you could just do it once every six months and have one really awesome active offer if you wanted to. Uh, we still typically recommend going once a week so that you've got something fresh there every week and something different there every week. Now, what you don't want to do is do five or six a week. I mean, I've seen some businesses that do three or four a day because they're approaching it like social media. And that doesn't work because it gives you this carousel that you have to swipe through to see all of them. And typically people aren't going to swipe through. Maybe they'll swipe through once. But if you've got 15 live posts, they're not going to go look at all of them. So be strategic in what you're putting there and don't put too much information there. But post often enough, but also only put something compelling. If you don't really have that much compelling stuff to put, don't waste your time. Great advice. And you mentioned be strategic there. Should you also be strategic with your Q&A section? Oh, 100%. What questions should you be asking and answering in that section? So a lot of people don't realize you can load your own questions in, and that's the key thing here. So you want to take all those questions off of your FAQ page on your site, throw them in there. Put in questions about your COVID safety procedures. If, you know, you still require your staff to wear masks or customers to wear masks or people want to know, do you still enforce masks and social distancing or whatever that might be? Uh, put in all the common questions that you've got on your site, but also talk to the people that are answering the phones and put all of those common questions in. Look at the questions that people are asking your competitors and put those questions in and then answer them. Because the really cool thing is, as you click the button to ask a question as a user and start to type your question in, if a similar question has already been asked and answered or if an answer exists in something that was a customer review or an answer from the business to a customer review, Google will kind of do the autocomplete thing. And as I'm typing my question in, it's going to pop up the answer to that question over on the side. So I don't even have to ask that question completely and hit enter to get my answer. And so again, it's all about conversion here. It doesn't really matter for ranking, but if someone's gonna potentially have a question, you wanna have those answers already packed in. So you, I mean, you can have 30 or 40 questions in there. There's no limit. I've seen places that have hundreds of questions. You make it more likely that someone's going to click through and contact you if you've got the answer already out there, because a lot of times people are asking these questions before they've even been to your site. Or potentially it means, that content may be on your site, but it's hard for them to find, so it's easier for them to ask in the Q&A section. Superb advice. 
I want to ask you a little follow-up question in relation to actually what area you select in terms of where you're targeting. So um, if I'm based in the middle of the UK and I offer SEO services, for example, um, if I say that I provide services just to people within 20 miles around me, am I more likely to appear in search results in my local area? And am I better to be targeted highly to people who are more local or more specific? Or am I better off to actually say that I do offer services to anyone in the British Isles, which I might do? So that's going to be a lot more about your content strategy and your standard SEO stuff than what you're selecting in GMB. So the area that you enter in as a service area doesn't really have any effect on your visibility in a wider and narrow radius. It's more about you know, how dense the competition is for what you're trying to compete in and what your content is. So like if you're trying to say, hey, I serve the entirety of the UK, then you've got to optimize correctly to show up for that and understand that for whatever business that might be, that means there's a lot more competition and you're probably not as likely to show up unless you really SEO the heck out of it. But, you know, if you're right in the the dead center of of the UK and you're an underwater basket weaving studio, (laughs) there's probably not that many. So chances are you're probably going to be able to rank across the entirety of the aisles and maybe even into the kind of edge of Europe there because there's not that many people doing underwater basket weaving. But Yeah, you kind of approach it more from your content strategy of, hey, look, am I going to optimize just around this particular area that I'm in and really slay here? Or do I want to broaden it out and try to show up everywhere and know that there's a lot more competition there and it's going to be more difficult to show up? Okay. And one of the keys to being successful, I guess, with Google My Business in the long term is actually checking out your insights. So so what kind of insights are available and how can you optimize even further by, by checking out the data in your insights? Yeah, so one of the really great things to pay attention to in Insights is phone calls and website clicks because it's not always going to match up what shows in Google Analytics. And for sure, phone calls from Google My Business are not going to show in Google Analytics and they won't show in your call tracking unless you've got a call tracking number on Google My Business, which I didn't mention earlier, but that's definitely best practice as well. Google allows you to do that now. You should put call tracking number as primary number and your actual number as an alternate number because you have two alternate numbers that can be listed, but the primary number is what shows to the public. So you want to make sure that you are taking advantage of all the data that you can to both show that as you do your SEO and your optimization, you're getting more visibility, which results in more impressions and more website traffic and more leads and more calls. So you want to include that phone number so that you get that information as well. But in the insights, The two important things to pay attention to are your your branded impressions and your discovery impressions, because the brand impressions are the ones where people are looking specifically for your business. The discovery impressions are when you show up, when people are not explicitly looking for your business. And that's important because as you go for all of the various keyword phrases that you're going for, as you get more visibility, you should see that ramp up and you'll see improvements in those discovery impressions. And keep in mind, the discovery impressions is anytime you show up in the map pack, which is you know the map and the three results underneath, or if you are in a smaller market and somebody searches for underwater basket weaving studio and you're the only, water, only underwater basket weaving studio in Manchester, it's not gonna show a map pack, it's just gonna show your Google My Business profile on, on the right, like someone looked specifically for your business name, even though they didn't. That would also be a discovery impression. Also, anytime you show up in a result in Google Maps, 
that would also be a discovery impression. So that's all of the places that that information shows up. It's really helpful to show that over time, especially if you're agency side or uh, a, a solo contractor and you want to prove to your clients, hey, look, you're getting more visibility. You're showing up more. You're getting more phone calls. You're getting all this. But also, look, look at the impressions. Here's what your impressions were before. And here's what your impressions are now. You're showing up for more searches. It's better. Superb advice. Greg, if an SEO is hearing you and thinking you're absolutely spot on, I haven't done anything with Google My Business, I need to be optimizing for that, but I haven't got much time. What is something that an SEO might have been doing consistently for the last five years, and they've probably been doing it on autopilot, they need to stop doing because it's not as effective as it used to be, so they can spend more time focusing in on Google My Business? Yeah, that's content marketing has been the big thing. And everybody's kind of equated churning out tons of content to doing SEO. And, you know, in reality, Google cares more about the quality of your content, not the quantity of your content. And there's so many SEOs out there that think they just have to keep churning out blog posts and keep churning out content and maybe dial that back a little bit and worry more about putting out a couple of great pieces instead of a lot of just okay pieces and kind of rein that in a little bit so you've got more time to do Google My Business. And and really, it's not something you have to spend a lot of time on on a regular basis. Of all the stuff that we've talked about, you could just say, hey, look, I'm going to sit down right now and just take a chunk of time and spend time to go through and optimize all of this stuff. And then really all you have to do on an ongoing basis is monitor the Q&A section once you've already got all your common stuff uploaded and then do a Google post once a week or once every couple of weeks. Once you've got all that big chunk done at the beginning, it's not a whole lot on an ongoing basis. So there's really no excuse not to stay on top of it. You need to prime the pump, prime the pump, yep. and um, it's easy going after that. Wonderful advice. You can find Greg Gifford over at searchlambdigital.com. Greg, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2022. Ah, thanks for having me. Check out the rest of the content from SEO in 2022 over at seoin2022.com. <laughs>